So pastor asked me today to teach on love, right? Um, and uh, as I was praying and meditating on it, you know, I got a lot. Uh, how can you not get a lot when you study on love and, and teach on love? But, um, but he stirred me um, and reminded me of the, uh, the Philippians prayer. So pastor always teaches, or he's, he's taught a lot on the, the Ephesians prayers for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of God. But ultimately, when you have wisdom and revelation, and pastor has taught this many times, uh, I know in leadership specifically, but like when, you, when you're just praying for wisdom and revelation, wisdom without love actually puffs up and makes you proud because it gives you a big head because you're like, if I, if I have all this wisdom and knowledge, I'm something special, right? But when you have wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, it actually will draw you closer to God and it will create an, an atmosphere of love in your life. Uh, so I was reminded of the prayer in Philippians that Paul prays. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray it and actually read it in the New Living Translation first and then I want to um, read it in a different translation just give a little context. But I pray that your love... And this is Paul praying for us as believers, so that th this is for all of us. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in the knowledge, of, in knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives in the day, uh, until the day Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of, of your salvation, the righteous character produced in you for your life by Christ Jesus. For this, uh, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So essentially when you're living out of love, it's going to bring praise and glory to God. Um, Guys, there is a little bit of a ring, and, and it's throwing me off. I totally understand what my pastor mentions it, but I'm like, so either just drop it down a little bit, or um, pro probably best to do that. Uh, so in the message translation, this is the part that, that I first thought of. So my prayer, and, and this is more just where, where we'll start. My prayer, this is my prayer, that your love will flourish, that you will not only love much, but love well, Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and, and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. So we're not talking about the love that's just like sentimental and, and the, the love feeling, but, but actually the love that is poured out from God. So in that, and that being said, we'll start with this. God is love. Right? That's the foundation of everything we believe. God is love. Not only is he love, he always has been love. So very, from the very beginning, God was love. Um, in 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 10, this is the, uh, the Passion Translation. Pastor always jokes that, that, that I like it, but I just I get so much revelation when I read the Passion Translation. Um, and I find, as I study back, it is pretty accurate. So, uh, so I, I love that as well. He, he gave us resurrection life 
and drew us into himself by his holy calling on our lives. So each one of us has a holy, holy calling on our lives. And it, was, it wasn't because of any good thing that we have done, but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus, even before the beginning of time. So again, God is love, and God was love from the very beginning. And from the very beginning, he had it set in place that he had a plan and a purpose for each one of us, that he had something for us to do, a calling that he had placed on our lives. And part of that calling is to walk in his love and to be a, a light shining, shining his love wherever we go. Again, that was 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 10. Um, so, uh, oh, I, I didn't even finish. So this, this truth is now being unveiled by the revelation of the anointed Jesus, our life giver, who dismantled death, obliterating it, all, and, and all of its effects on our lives. So his love was so powerful that it took anything that we had done wrong, anything we were going to do wrong, and just totally destroyed it so that we could be free to live for him. Right? And, and so that, when I grabbed a hold of that, it really uh, amazed me because I'm like, there's nothing that you can do to make yourself good enough, but also there's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. And that's really what the, what the world needs to hear is like, God loves you so much. There's nothing that's separating you from his love. Nothing except you just receiving it. And that's, and that's really it. And when we, when we love, when we show God's love, the world will receive it. Um, so it, as I was studying it, it reminded me of a story, uh, or it reminded me when I was a kid, talking about how God you know, totally took something and destroyed it so that no effect and can, can no effect of what we had done can take place in our lives. So, so I was probably about 10 years old, which is uh, about my youngest son's age. And uh, we received a cuckoo clock from my grandparents' neighbor, right? <laughs> and I was at that curiosity stage where I'm like, ah, I love to figure out how things work. So of course, this cuckoo clock, I, I forget where it was, but I wanted to figure out how it works. So I tore it apart. Right? So do you know how many springs and gears and levers are in a cuckoo? And the, these little whistles, like the, it's a lever that um, puts up a baffle and like toots, toots a little horn or a, a little whistle in there. And that's really all I wanted out of it is just to have that little whistle. So I tore this cuckoo clock apart. My dad was not too happy with me. He's like, what did you do? And since then, he's gotten a couple uh, cuckoo clocks because he, he found he really likes them too. But that clock never ran again. Uh, I mean, it would have taken a professional clockmaker to put it back together. But, you know, it, everything in it still resembled a clock, you know, re resembled parts and pieces of that clock. But so much more is what God did for us is he totally destroyed it. You know, again, it could have taken a professional, put that whole cuckoo clock back together. I was not that professional. I learned a lot about taking things apart, but not about putting them back together. 
But it's amazing, again, that's what God did for us. Because he loved us so much, he destroyed anything that, that could separate us from him. Not saying a cuckoo clock's going to separate you from God. <clears throat> but that's, that's what, what God showed me. He's like, he's like, I totally destroyed it. Totally made it of, of no effect. Uh, what is it? Colossians, um, I, I believe it's in Colossians 2. And I, uh, no, I do have it written down. Um, he canceled out every violation, every legal violation we had on our record. The old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted all that could, uh, all, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of people, uh, um, you know, we, we follow Pastor Mark Hankins pretty closely, and he talks about how when he was 18 years old, he got arrested. And for the longest time, he had this, this violation on his record. And he, he realized that that stayed on his record when he went uh, up to Canada, I believe, to go hunting. And the, um, uh, the game warden was like, well, have you ever been arrested for, for anything? And you know, this was like years and years later. He's like, no. He's like, well, actually, the, the game warden was like, yeah, I see this on your record. He's like, that's still there. You know, it was like it was, he was in his 40s or 50s when he went to Canada, and that happened when he was 18. And the game warden was like, yeah, you have to have anything like that that you have on your record. It has to be expunged. So he, he realized, you know, things like that stay with you until they're complete, completely removed. So God loved us. God loved you. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus for that purpose, to erase, to annihilate anything that could be held against us. And again, that, that just blows my mind, that, that God, from the beginning of time, had this in his plan to annihilate and clear us of anything that we could do so that we can then turn our love towards him. So again, thinking about how the world always wants to try and cover things up, cover up, you know, kids, kids especially. We found, um, you know, raising three kids, you, you get all these fun stories about, about kids covering things up or hiding things, like under, underneath the, kid, the kids' beds, scariest place in the world. You don't know what you're going to find under there. You can find ap moldy apple cores, you know, who knows what else. But, man. So when I was 15... You're getting ready to drive. <clears throat> my mom got a new vehicle, and uh, the vehicle that she had was passed down from my grandpa. And this vehicle was actually this, uh, made the same year I was born. Um, so it was a 1979 Ford Fiesta. Similar in size to the Ford Fiesta now, maybe a little bit smaller. But if you know anything about that car, it is a very small car and a very lightweight car. So in, in high school, my friends actually, and this was after I started driving it, but my friends would actually pick up the car and turn it sideways in the parking lot. So like they, they'd pin me between another car and a light pole. 
it was that it was that lightweight of a car, so we had a whole lot of fun with it. But um, it wasn't the kind that anybody took apart and reassembled in the courtyard of the school. But um, but no. So my mom got a new vehicle when I was 15, and said, "You can have this vehicle when when you turn 16." Well. It, something happened with my uncle. He fell on hard times, and he's like, hey, I know you have this extra car from, from dad. Can, can I borrow it until Jeremy's ready to drive it? And we're like, yeah, sure. You know, you, you need a vehicle, so, so we'll let, let you drive it. Well, it was this awful color orange, and he asked me what, what, um, <clears throat> what we would like to do or what he, he could do kind of as a payment for being able to borrow the car. I'm like, I would love it if you could paint it black for me. Like, like black metallic, just something different from that orange. And, uh, and he didn't know anything about painting cars. So he got out a couple spray paint cans and, and spray painted the car. And, and you know, for the first little bit, it looked fine. But by the time I got it, and of course, you know, a young guy wanting to, wanting to keep his car nice, I want to go wash it. I'm like, why is there orange coming through this paint? So, you know, it, it was just a covering. He didn't, he didn't take the time to sand it, to prime it, prep it, anything like that. So, so I'm washing it, and, like, this black is just washing off, filling, filling my rags. And, and all, pretty soon, all this orange was coming through. Well, my thought, friends thought it was hilarious, and it was, a, it was a beater car anyway. So it ended up, each of my friends would carve their initials in my car. So like they, I had all kinds of things written from keys on my car. Um, that was not the best car, but it was a great car to learn on. Um, a manual transmission and lightweight thing would fly for, for only being a small four-cylinder. But um, I won't tell you how fast I went, but because my son is in here. Um, but you know, that's not, that's not the covering. You know, God didn't just come and send Jesus so that our, our sins could be covered up. You know, he completely annihilated them. And so Dave's a mechanic, and they always joke, and I'm sorry I'm stealing a joke of, from yours, but, but sometimes this is the way you need to fix a car. You go in the car, you take the radiator cap off, you go find a new car, put that radiator cap back on, you, fi you fix the car. <laughs> And basically, you totally get rid of that thing, and all that's left is that radiator cap from the old car. Um, <clears throat> but that's, you know, God did even more than that. He didn't, he didn't leave any spot or stain or recognition of sin in our lives. He totally annihilated it. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing of our old man now exists because we are completely made new. Uh, one of my favorite verses, and I don't think I had this in the list, but um, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. One, one translation said, you are, you are a brand new creature that's never before existed. And that's how much God did for us. Um, as we spend time with God, the more we become like him. So this is, uh, I, I don't know if you are taking notes and I don't know if you were able to follow, but I, this is my fourth point in, the, in, in my notes is, is when you spend time with God, the more you become like him. 
So we've learned, um, you know, in, in leadership training and everything from, from Pastor Tim and, and all the way down from Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin taught on, on love all the time. And he said, he said, one of the greatest books on love is The Greatest Thing in the World. Um, it's by Henry Drummond. And it really, it's, it's a tiny little book that totally expounds and elaborates on uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love scripture. Um, and in that, in that book, uh, he, the author, compares how the more you spend time in the presence of God, it's like a, a magnet, like a, a, a piece of steel in the presence of a magnet. So initially, that piece of steel when you hold it up to a powerful enough magnet, it will become magnetized, just like that magnet. So I would do it with, uh, with like needles or different things when I was a kid. You know, you put a magnet on it, and then you can pick up this whole string of, of you know, paper clips or needles. But then over time, if you, if you rub that needle or, or whatever piece of steel on that magnet, it actually becomes magnetized. And so um, the author talks about how how, you know, when you spend time in the presence of God, you, you take on that same love that God has. Well, as I was talking to a pastor, you know, he, he wanted to know what I was teaching on and everything. And, and, he's, and we started talking back and forth. And, and he said, well, it's, it's actually more, more real than that. Because actually, Romans says in uh, chapter 5, so Romans 5, 5, um, and it, it kind of goes back, but I'm going to focus on this part. But the verse starts out, This hope does not disappoint, because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. So it's more than just, you know, we, we get, that, get God rubbing off on the inside, or getting rubbed off on us. But when we get born again, he actually pours his love nature into us. So we don't have to try and do things on our own, but we can actually tap into the love that he has because he's poured it, poured it into us by the Holy Spirit. He's poured into us healing. He's poured into us life. He's poured into us love. And actually with faith, he gives us his faith so that we don't have to use our own faith to believe him for things. But we actually have a measure of his faith, and we can grow in yielding to, to that faith that he's put into us. But specifically with love, he has poured into us his love so that we have his love that we can love others with. <clears throat> so the, the whole piece of steel on a magnet example, you know, as, as we're talking... I thought of this. I'm like, no, this is this is way better. So we grew up in, in Michigan, and a lot of people don't realize it, but Michigan has some of the best beaches, I think, in the world. Um, and and maybe that's just a, a prejudice that I have of, of beaches, but like, they're they're the softest sand, and the, the you know the most expanse. And you think of it, Michigan's a peninsula, right? So it's completely surrounded with water, and the dunes and everything about it are just amazing. The downside is, it's cold water. You know, it's, it's up north, so it's not too typical that the, uh, that the lakes warm up enough. What, there was a couple years ago that the, the ice finally melt in Lake Superior in like the middle of July, because there was that much ice in, in Lake Superior that 
that it, you know, it, it, it freezes so thick uh, up in Lake Superior, which is in the northern part of Michigan, <clears throat> that that ice was there until in, far into July, too. I, I forget how far. Anyway, the point of talking about beaches is there's a couple beaches on the west side of Michigan that is, you go there and it's just it's the weirdest thing. All of the sand is black, right? So, you know, as a kid, you're like, this is so weird. But the, the black sand is actually, it's, it's very clean. It doesn't, it doesn't stick to you, get all over. Like you'd think it's, it's like mud where it's just going to stick to you and, and be muddy and gross. But it, it's super soft. And it's, it, the, you know, if it's super sunny, it's bad because that sand gets so hot. Hotter than, hotter than normal sand, which gets hot, but the black sand, because it's attracting all, the, all of that heat and everything, uh, it's, it's awful. <clears throat> anyway, so as a kid, we learned about this black sand. It's actually a, a, a metal um, uh, element, and I have it met. Um, oh, where did I have it? I had it in here, what it was. Mag, uh, magnetite. Um, it's a mineral called magnetite, which is a... Uh, an iron oxide mineral that was scraped up from the from the bottom of of like the the lake floors, um, and was released into the water, and so it gets washed up on stage. So it's it's um, magnetic. So that black sand actually in some beaches, you know, it's it's intermixed in with the sand. But you go in there with a powerful enough magnet, and you start wiping that magnet over the sand all that black sand starts rising up and pretty soon your magnet will be covered with this black sand. And that's what I got a picture of, God's love being imparted into us. You know, as, as, you're, as you're living, you know, there's different things that, may, that you may have experienced in life, but there's nothing that denies the fact that God poured his love into you. But as you spend time in his presence, which his presence in this example would be like a magnet, as you spend time in his presence, that love nature rises up through everything that may have buried it down in our lives. His presence draws that love up out of us. And pretty soon, we start to reflect his love because we get so saturated in his presence that his love nature is just poured out from us. So I just, when, when we're talking, I'm like, yes, that is a, a way better example. Uh, you know, it's not just like a piece of metal that has no magnetism to it whatsoever that, you know, gets magnetized. But, but it's actually that God has placed his love in us. And when we spend time with him, it's drawn up from within us. So you can, uh, this is something Pastor Mark um, always talks about, I always hear him say it, and I don't know if he got it from somebody else, but he said, you can always tell, actually, I think he got it from his dad, you can always tell how you're getting along with God by the way people look to you. So, like, if you uh, are not in the presence of God, letting his love nature kind of, like, be drawn up out of you, you might be a little bit edgy. You might, you know, and I, I can always tell for myself, and I can always tell with my kids, uh, parenting is a, is a great training ground for, for learning these things. But you can always tell, okay, have I 
been med meditating on love? Have I spent my time in, with God in prayer and meditation, you know, letting his nature be, be like stirred up on the inside of me so that I can be released? And I can always tell because, you know, like for me, I start getting short with them or letting things irritate you or irritate myself. So you can always tell how you're getting along with God by the way you interact with people and how people look with you. So, um, you know, as, as I start to wind down, I have a few more things in here, but um, essentially I just want to elaborate on how God's love nature is poured into us. So John 15, 1 through 17. And so this is, this is going to be a, a little bit of reading. Hopefully it'll go quick, but this is from the, the Passion Translation again. It said, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is, is my, the farmer who tends the vine is my father. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. You didn't choose me, but I have chosen you. I, I have chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask the Father for my sake, he will give to you. I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. The servants don't, don't always understand that what the master is doing. But I called you my most intimate friends, for I revealed to you everything that I've heard from my father. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey what I have commanded you. For, for, the, greatest, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his, uh, his life for his friends. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as, as much as I have loved you. My purpose for telling you these things is so your joy that I, uh, so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Now I'll just stop right there for now. But but God commanded us to love because that great command of love actually will cover up anything. You know, he, he said, all of, the, all of the law and the prophets is fulfilled by loving. Because when you love, you're not going to steal and take from somebody else. When you love somebody, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to murder them because, because you love them. When you have the love of God, it's going to overflow and it's going to show. So, again, going back to the book, The Greatest Thing in the World, he talks about how love can be elaborated on. It's kind of like when you shine a light through a prism. How many of you had a prism when you were a kid? And you get, um, and this, this goes back to my schooling, this is how I learned it, but Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. So, Light, white light can be broken up into this full spectrum of color. And the same way love, love can be broken up. So as we, as we close, I want to I pull a couple of things out of 1 Corinthians 13. So first I'll read it, um, and I believe this, uh, this is the NLT translation. Love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its, its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong, of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So I love to go through uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, Jack Hayford uh, released uh, was the Spirit-Filled Study Bible, where he has a little commentary on, on love. And so I actually, I read through that quite frequently. And my kids probably know it by heart because we always go through it. And as I, as I go through it, I expound on things. So I'm going to read that and then we'll, we'll expound on a few things here. But love suffers long. So how do you like that? Love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. So when you're loving, when the love of God is shining through you, how many of you deal with imperfect people all the time? <laughs> how many of you are imperfect sometimes and you have to you know, turn that on yourself, you love yourself? So it's not just talking about loving others, uh, imperfect others. It's talking about loving imperfect self sometimes. And God's love actually allows you to, to love the imperfection, and maybe not the imperfections of people, but to look past the, the imperfections. You know, there's a, a, and I meant to look this verse up and put it in there, I totally forgot, but um, love covers a multitude of sin. Well, it's not saying, like, I'm covering up myself so you, that you can't see my sin. It actually is saying, like, love puts a cover over somebody else so you don't see their sin. So you can actually look past what they're doing wrong or annoying. And, and again, great, great parenting skill. Love uh, is patient with imperfect people. Your brothers and sisters are not perfect. So maybe you can look past that and give them grace and be patient with them. Second, love is kind and active in doing good. So how many, how many of you, like, you, it's not just you're going to be kind to somebody when they're back, kind back to you, but, like, you are actively seeking opportunities to be kind. Love does not envy since it is non-possessive and non-competitive. It actually wants others to get ahead. Now, I think of this one a lot because it talks about being competitive. I'm not a, really a sports guy. I know a lot of people who are sports people, and they get so competitive when they're playing sports or playing games. <laughs> people who are very, very competitive. Now, it's not talking about that kind of competition, but like in, in the game of life where you're always trying to like get ahead, I've found like I have so much favor in my job and in my workplace because I'm a team player, and I'm not, I'm not looking to just like, you know, boost myself up in the company. I always tell my, the people I work with, I'm like, no, we're a team. Like, we, we could not do this. We could not sell this if it were just me. You know, we have to be a team. And so I always, you know, when, when we're in meetings and talk about things, I'm like, no, you know, I, I was able to close this because of so-and-so. Or I was, I was able to sell this because, of, you know, because I had the, the, my team here. So it's like, I'm not competitive in that way. And, and I, you know, 
a few of you have heard my testimony, but like we had a team, I, uh, originally there were five of us doing, doing inside sales, and two people didn't last right away. They, they left. They're like, yeah, this isn't for me. And then there were three of us for a long time. Well, my company went through a hard, uh, like a, a slump, and so a few people got laid off. And, uh, <clears throat> and God graciously allowed me to be able to stay there and continue working for the company. And, it, and it's really been a blessing, a favor. But when I, was, when I had coworkers, you know, we had different regions, and so we kind of stayed, stayed separated in our, in our verticals. But <clears throat> a lot of times there was, there was you know, mix over. And there were a few times where, like, we were calling the same people, and a deal closed, and I'm like, hey, I had called out to them, but you know what? You did most of the work, no problem. And it, it's funny, because every time I gave up a sale like that, God would always turn around and, and provide something else that, that came up to kind of fill that gap that, that I had not made, made for quota. But... When you learn to not be competitive, not, you're, you're not fighting with people. And it reminds me of another thing, you know, um, the fight that we're fighting is not against flesh and blood, but there is an attack of the enemy on our life. And we have to be aware of that. And sometimes when, we're, when we choose to love and let love do- dominate in our lives, you know, that, that stops the attack of the enemy because when you choose to love somebody instead of getting in a competition with them or, or, or anything like that, it really stops it and allows God's uh, love to flow through your life. So there's a bunch more. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get a chance to teach in, um, another time, but, but I just wanted to close there. Um, but, but again, you know, we don't have to do this on our own. God said that his love was poured out into our lives by the Holy Spirit. And we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive that measure of the Holy Spirit and his gift of love when we're born again. Then there is another opportunity to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So right now, if you close your eyes and bow your heads, give you that opportunity. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to today to, to receive that, that love that's poured out into your life by the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed for you. Go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll pray for you. You can accept Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior. And second, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, that overflowing gift that He has poured out, Again, you can have the Holy Spirit to the measure that's overflowing out of you. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit this morning, raise your hand. We can pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. All right. Well, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. The blood that was poured out your liquid love poured out on our lives. Father, we just, we honor, magnify the blood and give you all praise and glory for it. God, we thank you that you have put us as a light to this world. You have made us a light shining for you.
And it's our endeavor as we go forth this week to let your love shine through us that we can act in kindness, that we can let your love bubble up on the inside of us and flow out. And it doesn't draw people to us, but Father, it gives us an opportunity to point to you in everything that we do, everything that we say. Father, we give you glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.